0: It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum.
1: Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Wow. It is 2020. Wasn't that a TV show, Ryan? Yeah, with Barbara Walters. Barbara. Baba Waba. Barbara. Well, isn't that, <laughs> what? Didn't they do that on Saturday Night Live? Remember uh, Sherry, Sherry, Sherry? Sherry
2: She did it uh this year. Yeah. Uh, Anderson Cooper editor. it. Baba
1: Waba. Yeah.
2: yeah. He, was, he was losing his mind. Have you seen the clip? No. Oh, it's hilarious. Really? Yeah. Anderson Cooper is just losing it.
1: He loves it. Yeah, he, he loves, loves It's the best it's thing it's so was funny. Was he a little tipsy? I think so. He had to be tipsy. I it's New so. Year's, you know. Uh, so look guys, this is awesome. We're back for another season of inside of you. And, uh, I want to thank you. This is, this is awesome. It's been a long year of like, uh, abandonment issues and, uh, guests with great stories and uh, tragedy, a lot of laughs. And, um, I'm just really grateful. I'm grateful to be back to, uh, to be doing the show I, I love doing it i talked to you about this a lot we wanted to do something special this this year and i talked to bryce and and ryan who's here with me first of all ryan i want to give him a shout out ryan how do you pronounce your last name Teas. yeah you can't say tell us no tell us more it's Teas.
2: there's a first baseman who plays for the toronto blue jays who goes by rowdy Telez.
1: rowdy Telez. and it's it,
2: it it rolls but it's i've just been told that it's pronounced Teas my whole life and that's Ryan Taz,
1: God damn it! Hey man, yeah, live with it. Uh, you know, Rob Hollis took off. We had an agreement, and uh, he was just you know he was doing, making a lot of money. He's got a family, and, and he uh, he had to do what he had to do. And uh, we're still buddies, and I wish him the best. And uh, so he left, and we had started this in the beginning, and uh, I was sort of like a bit out of a lo- you know at a loss, and uh, like oh man, and you get all these things, feelings inside of you, like you know, like, fuck, he's leaving, even though it's mutual, but he's, he's leaving. And uh, my show's not as successful as Dax's and comparing yourself. And that's when you go down this wormhole of negativity and it just doesn't nobody any good, especially yourself. And, uh, I learned a lot of that. Um, you know, you fast forward to me going to a wellness center last year and taking care of my shit. I think things just got, they caught up with me and I had to handle them. I think you either don't handle them or you handle them in whatever way you can and getting help. And, um, I did that. It wasn't It wasn't because Rob left, by the way. It was, it was just a culmination of uh, things. Surgeries, botched surgeries. Uh, don't use this surgeon. His name is, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to tell you that one.
2: I don't know if you want to go there.
1: Yeah, I don't want to go there right now. But, um, you know, Ryan came on board and we were just having art night, something I learned at the Wellness Center. And I was like, Ryan's like, you know, I, I, I go, Ryan, can you, can you engineer? I'm sure I can. Right? And I. it turns out I can. You, you did. You did a fantastic job. Another thing that's coming up, by the way. So, first of all, I'm grateful for you, Ryan. I'm grateful, Teos, that you're here. Thanks, Rosenbaum. I am. It's really nice. It's like it started out as you know, an episode. Let's see what happens. And now we're doing them. Um, you know, the top 13 clips that we're going to show, or sorry, that we're going to, uh, to have you listen to, are not necessarily the best guests or the best, they're just great moments that... Uh, we hear it Inside of You, myself and Bryce, we looked through and, uh, you know, we thought these were great moments, a nice moment and relevant to the show. They, uh, they sort of just depict the show. And if you put them all together, it's kind of what the show is about. It's, you know, um, anyway, you'll hear these in a moment, these top 13, not top 10 list. It's the top 13 moments. But remember, these aren't necessarily the best guests, although they are great guests. What's great is we've decided here at Inside of You, to start doing video. Now you're thinking, if you're listening to this, you're like, wait a minute, what? And a lot of people have asked, and we thought it was a good idea. And so we're gonna do video. Now we're gonna transition from the audio to the video. So that's gonna take a little time. We have some guests that we did audio, some great guests coming up. So you, you gotta listen to them. Uh, we've got Steven Amel, great guest, and we're gonna start doing video. So I'm doing the whole video setup. I stole some of those guys at Bobby Lee's uh, podcast, and they're going to help me set a nice nice little uh, video stuff here. And and my friend Ryan here happens to do a lot of other things, so he's going to help me out with the video. It's been a great year. Also, I joined Patreon. Do you guys know Patreon? Holy shit, Ryan. This is the coolest thing ever. And I'm, I'm, I'm lost because for five years people have been doing this. But if you love something, if you love a podcast, you could join Patreon and you could subscribe. So I was like, oh, who wants to pay money? Well, it's amazing how people really, uh, loyal listeners want to support the podcast, support me paying you and paying other people and making the show better and doing video. And, and also it just feels like a family. You know, I thought, Oh, I would just do what I'm required to do, but I've already like had a text people on it and say, Hey, thanks for this. I become, it becomes like Patreon to me is more like a friend in a way. I mean, you have to have your space. I'm really grateful to all the, uh, Patreon to so subscribe. There's tiers on there if you want to be a Patreon member. There's so many cool things depending on the tier you're in, but you get extra footage, extra me rambling that just will be seen on Patreon that you won't see here. We have a thing called shit talking, which we talk to guests. I talk to guests and I ask them questions that some of the Patreons ask. They want to know. It's all Patreon questions. Uh, and I will ask each guest um, the questions. I mean, at least the 10 that I choose each week. Um, and there's so much more, the shit talking with Rosenbaum, we've got Q&A sessions with me alone that only my patrons will get to see. So it's really cool, so check it out, join me, join me, and we'll have a lot of fun. We, all, we always have fun anyway, and I, I really uh, appreciate the support. What else? Oh, Tom Welling and I have a new wine out, Ryan. Uh, we did wine last year for Knocking Point at Stephen Amell's Wine. And uh, they ask us, I guess we sold out last year. We were the biggest grossing wine. Wow. So they want to do it again. So this year, there's a uh, a little spin. I get to be the pure. It's called pure evil wine. I was the evil last time Tom was pure because, you know,
3: Mm
4: -hmm.
1: and now I'm the pure and he's the evil. It's pretty cool. We love it. We love wine. Uh, If you like wine and you you want to use my... uh, What kind of wine is it? You know, it's like uh, Tom's is a red and I'm the white. I'm always the white because I like white wine. So you'll just have to see. Go to knockingpoint.com, type in the code PURE, and take an additional 10% off. So all you have to do is go to knockingpointwines.com slash tastemakers-club and get some Pure Evil wine with me and Tom Welling. Uh, Also, I'll be in Portland um, at the end of January here. If you want to come see me and Welling at a con, that would be a lot of fun. We do these things called Smallville Nights. I don't know if you know it, but um, if you go to a con... Tom and I improvise. We read old Smallville scripts. I might wear a bald cap. I don't know. Tom wears a flannel, perhaps. Uh, We have special guests occasionally. It's a lot of fun. I'd like to say a a little shout-out. We were talking about the Patreon. I'd like to give a little shout-out in the beginning and the outro of the show. In the intro, I'd like to shout-out to the top-tier patrons. That's Angelina G. It's almost Angelina Joe G. Lena.
2: I'm not following that one. No, I'm
1: not either. Angela G. Bob B. Dion K, Jerry W, Jill E, Kevin R, Lauren G, Leah, or Lee S, Robert B, Taylor B, and Yukiko. Yeah. I like that name, Yukiko, or Yukaiko. I think it's Yukiko. Wouldn't you think? I think Yukiko sounds right. I think so. But anyway, listeners, I want to thank you. Uh, 2019 was a learning curve for me and uh, growing. And uh, let's get into the top 13. We've got a fantastic year coming at you. Many great guests. I'm digging deep. I'm pulling them out of the shadows. I think you're going to be really excited with all this. I I, I know it. This is going to be a bigger year than last year. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Inside of You Top 13 Moments of 2019. That's right. The Top 13 Moments. You know, Ryan, this guest, I don't know if you were here for this, Richard Marks. I was not here.
2: Well, Richard, and Mark, you
1: weren't here, but uh, Richard and I have a bit of a relationship, not not sexually. I had tweeted something, and he tweeted back, and he says, hey, Smallville was a big thing for my family and I. We used to watch Smallville every week, and I'm like, wow, uh, great. Can I have a song for my movie I'm <laughs> directing back in the day? He's like, yeah, and you want to be in it? And we started this whole friendship, and we went to see Lionel Richie together, and we'd go out because he was single at the time, and he was um, looking for love. But he was kind enough to come in here, and not only that. This is what I, I I want. I want to strive to be. He he wasn't nervous about playing music on a podcast. I was like, "Do you want me to add an effect or... He goes, "No. Do you want me to add a little reverb?" No. What do you need? I don't need anything. I need a mic, and he said that right before we went on the air, and um. He gave a killer live performance of a song that I love. So let's go to Richard Marks live on the top 13 moments of 2019.
0: What do you want to play? I'll play whatever you want. You want a little Endless Summer Nights, nice, the song from your... Uh...
1: Oh, yes. Can I enter it like a DJ? Right now, off the coast, 96 WSTO, we've got Richard... Mar- you see, <laughs> Hang on, Richard. So you you start strumming a little so they could hear the, the beginning while I'm... Okay, yeah, yeah. You know but, what I mean?
0: But, so it's, yeah, you got to time it just so, though, right?
1: Right, right, right. Yeah. 94.7 WKDQ, off the coast. Richard Marks now with us. An oldie but a goodie, Endless Summer Nights from the movie Back in the Day that Didn't Make a Red Scent.
0: Summer came and left without a warning All in once I looked and you were gone. Now you're looking back at me, searching for. 94.7,
1: 94.7, Richard Marks, <laughs> Off the Coast. Wow, if you if you hadn't heard that song, you're probably gonna have that on your playlist. You know what, 2019 brought a lot of fun, a lot of making fun of me, uh, which is always good, picking on me. Uh, this next guest, I think you know him. This is number 12 in the top 13 list of 2019. He's been on the podcast before. This is, I believe, his second appearance. And uh, we go to cons together. We have a lot of fun together. He just had a kid. We do wine together. We made a wine. We've we've had a friendship that's lasted more than just a, a hit TV show. So this is Tom Welling, I guess, roasting me about potential new Lex Luthers in the future. And Rob, who was was on here, he's he's poking fun too. So here's uh, number twelve in the top thirteen. This is Tom Welling. You got to see what kind of fan base you have, and it's unfortunately or fortunately, I don't know, but like your Instagram followers. This, how many people does yeah. he have? His IMDb. I know there's a big producer, actor, director. The only he casts people based on their yeah. IMDb number. If you're not top ten, you're not in. He's yeah. not casting you. Yeah, it's so fucked.
3: It's ad, it's advertising outreach. That's, I'm not going to say the video. person
1: because I really like the person. It's just the way he does business. If yeah, if I got out, I would be. He would never fucking cast me in anything. Well, Not you don't that have he's ever, followers
3: anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true.
3: That yeah, well, so what's the difference? He's never going to hire what's you. What's
1: the difference? Maybe after this podcast, how many? How
5: many hey, Michael, have, um... what
3: are you doing this weekend? I see that you have five more followers. that want to hire you? <laughs> like, what's the number that you have to be to, hey, to get his attention? A million? Five hundred? I like, don't
1: know. I only have a couple hundred thousand followers
3: think <laughs> that's oh, actually man. a lot i mean i mean it's not compared to these the, the it's beavers not, it's not tom welling numbers. beavers got a hundred million tom
1: know. you got like four hundred fifty
3: thousand followers well that's not but not enough for this guy no but those youtubers have
1: 20 million that's crazy i'm talking numbers on imdb pro like the, your number your star meter
3: oh, oh you said I, social I media, media followers. well that too Instagram. but
1: star meter bigger
3: oh like for if your
1: number like yeah if you're like number 20 he's like
3: mm. how does doesn't that work that just means that you're popular, like, right now. Maybe. But if, if you hire somebody for, to do a movie right now, it doesn't come out for a year. That person might not be popular a year from now.
1: I don't know. It seems like the same people are always up there. Like, you know, Di- you know, DiCaprio is probably top 15 all the time. Well. But he's DiCaprio.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And he deserves that. I mean, he's good in everything.
1: Well, Gene Hackman's better.
3: DiCaprio's, um, I think he's working on something where he's going to play Lex Luthor DiCaprio. So, yeah. Is he? <laughs> you fuck. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. I really was like, wait, what? You know, it's funny. Is, um, <laughs> you don't care until you care. I,
1: I, just, I text James Gunn. I go, dude, I'm not asking you for anything, but you're doing Suicide Squad. And if I'm not playing Lex Luthor.
3: That would be dope.
1: But he he he, he just goes. He said you didn't have enough Instagram just followers. Just sit tight. Just fuck off. <laughs> I have a feeling that means that there's probably not going to be a Lex Luthor in the Suicide
6: Squad. No, yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio got casted.
3: There you go. First
6: For it. For Suicide Squad,
3: it's right there. It's on the internet. It must be God. real. There's a picture of it.
1: Let me see it. You're a fucking liar. <laughs> are you? know DiCaprio, Lex Luthor.
3: Is he really? <laughs> yeah. Is
1: he, he really, really Lex? He's not playing. This. You fuck.
3: <laughs> Jesus. I mean, it's on the internet. It must
1: be true. Yeah. Isn't that? Doesn't that piss you off, though? They're like, oh, he was a great Lex Luthor, or he was a great Clark Kent. So they were on TV, so they can't be great. In film, I don't understand that either. It's just stupid. It's just, especially when the fans are like, going, Are you listening to the fans every once in a while? Just every once in a while, listen to them. Do you think it would hurt DC if they cast me, right? Who played it for seven or ten or whatever you want to say years? I'm just not blowing smoke, but they've done these polls. Of the better Lex Luthor. I'm just saying, do you think it would hurt DC? Do you think they'd go from a hundred million weekend, oh, it's Rosenbaum instead of spend, So you know what? It's gonna be five million. Do you think that it's all of a sudden
3: gonna ruin the franchise for a Lex Luthor that has worked to them play Am I upset about this? Please please comment and subscribe. <laughs> Let's start a poll. I don't think I don't think you want to see this. Why right would, what is it? I don't think you want The fifteen best actors who should have played Lex Luthor.
6: <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix, Michael Fassbender, Brian Cranston would be great. Bradley Cooper, (laughs) Michael C. Hall.
3: Yeah, these guys are great. But they didn't play it,
1: so we don't know. It's a moot point. (laughs) They didn't play it for seven years. This one, number 11 on the top 13 moments of 2019. Uh, This guy became a friend. We ended up doing a podcast called In Love with Michael Rosenbaum and Chris Sullivan, and he really taught me about being grateful. Thank you, Chris Sullivan. I love you. And if you guys want, you could subscribe and listen to In Love with Michael Rosenbaum and Chris Sullivan. That wouldn't hurt you, but you could. It is frequently uh, um,
5: mislabeled as depression, but it's this feeling of, of, of worthlessness and that the world is a terrible place that eats away at me. Or at, at at a lot at a lot of people, but it I believe that all of these years when I thought oh maybe I'm depressed maybe I need this maybe I need this is 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 this idea of it's it's just negative self talk it's negative self thinking it's low self esteem it's um it's a it's a lot of things rolled up into one but it seems to be like it was too complicated an idea that it was like ah laziness we'll just call it laziness we'll call it sloth. Um, Mm. and that type of thinking is something that you have to actively fight against because we all have it inside us that you look around at, 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 everything that's happening in the world. If, if you look around long enough and you're not depressed by what you see, I don't know anyone who, especially now is, is, is able to kind of process everything that's happening in the world without ending up a little down. Acedia. Acedia.
1: Tell me about how you, uh. How you deal with it? How you, every day? It sounds to me like it's part of like cognitive behavioral theory uh, therapy. Yeah, you know, well, thinking of thinking positively, changing the way you think. Correct?
5: Yeah, therapy. Uh, it's it's uh, living in conscious gratitude, writing it down, sharing it with others. Rob, will you with write my this wife. down?
1: Seriously, um, I'm not going to listen to this because uh, uh, I. Well, I'm doing it right now. <laughs> well, write that down because I want to do that. I, I, I think um, writing down. Writing down positive things like, I am grateful I have a new puppy, Blanche.
5: You know what we could do every day? And I do it with a couple of my friends. We have a couple. My wife and I have different text threads going. We Today, I am grateful for dot, 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 three things. You and I could do that. And you, we could do it every day. It doesn't have to be a big conversation. Gosh. It could be three things that we just send to each other. And when, when it's written down and when it's shared with someone else, it becomes this tangible thing in our, in our lives that we can use throughout the day to remember to, to kind of get outside of ourselves.
1: Number 10 on the top 13 list of 2019, Julie Benz. This is cool because Julie, she she like goes into my DM, not because she's sitting on me, she's married, but she'll slide in and be like, Dude, your episode with so-and-so was so amazing. It really touched me. She listens to them. And when actors, your peers, are listening to the podcast, folks, it makes me feel like I'm doing something right. And I'm just honored by it. And her talking about her panic attack right after getting killed off in Dexter. Just listen.
7: Probably like ten years ago, I just had to accept what it meant to be an actor. In order to love the good of of our jobs, when it's good and all the goodness that goes with it, you also have to accept the bad parts that go with it.
1: You can accept the bad parts.
7: You have to. You can't. You can't just have the good without the bad.
1: What's the worst thing that happened to you as an actress? The
7: worst thing? I mean, In terms it, of
1: rejection or whatever.
7: I mean, I mean, getting killed off Dexter was pretty bad. I had you no, had no idea. idea. I had no idea that was coming.
1: When did they tell you?
7: Um, three days before.
1: <laughs> Who called you?
7: Um, They called me in on my day off to do some ADR, and then they called me to the producer's room. And I knew walking from the ADR stage to the producer's room. When you get called to the producers, you're being killed off a show. I mean, it's just, you, you just have, know were that. Were you
1: getting an anxiety attack?
7: Yeah, I suffer from panic attacks, and I started having a panic attack. And I called my manager at the time, and I said, oh my God, I think they're killing me off. And this is what he said. He's like, all right, kid. Okay. Because he, he knows I suffer from panic attacks. And he's like, just get in and out as fast as you can. Just say thank you and get out. And I was like, okay. And then I called my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time. And I said, and he's not in the business. And I said, oh my God, I'm Walking to the producer's office, I think I'm being killed off the show, and he's like, "Maybe they're giving you a raise," which like really broke my heart because I was like, "No, they don't call the, it. No. You don't get a raise that way." <laughs> hey, Julie, great four seasons
1: you're making with Dexter. Max. Yeah,
7: yeah, I'm like, it doesn't happen that way. You got to fight for the raise. And then he said the same thing, and he said, "Just get in and out as fast as you can and get home, and I'll meet you at home." So. I tried to get in as fast as I could. Like I walked in the room and I said, you know, I know what this is about.
1: How many people were in the room?
7: It was um, three. The three executive producers. All men? No, one woman.
1: Okay. Thank God there was a woman there. Yeah.
7: And I said, thank you so much for a great four years. I've appreciated every moment. You said that? I did. Before they said a word. Uh, Before they said a word. I said, I'm smart enough to know what's going on. So thank you for a great four years. Let's talk tomorrow. Because I mean, I'm feeling the panic attack. And coming what did they on. say? They wanted to, have, you know, to have a conversation. And so then I had to sit down. And um... <laughs> and
3: you know it's true
1: <laughs> but wait, now.
7: But wait, let me really set this stage because to make matters worse, I worked out at a gym right by the studio. And so I was had worked out that morning, and it was really hot, like hot, like today hot. So I was only in a sports bra and a pair of like leggings. And I went to do ADR. So They hired you. I went to do ADR <laughs> that way. So all I could think about was, what was that movie where the guy gets broken up with while he's naked? Is it Forgetting? Forgetting Sarah Marshall? Forgetting Sarah Marshall. That's all I could think about was like, I don't have a shirt on and I'm losing my job and I'm like sitting there like trying to... Oh, so vulnerable. Like I felt so vulnerable. But they wanted to discuss it. They wanted to tell me the reasons why and, and, and I, you know, they needed to do that for their own, um, their own clarity, I guess, um... Their own therapy, because everybody was upset about it, but... um, Did you cry in the room? I did, which I didn't want to. Um,
1: Did they hug you?
7: They did, but I was sweaty and smelled. (laughs) didn't have clothes on, basically. Were you bawling? I was. I was really upset.
1: You loved the show.
7: I loved it. Also, it was such a great family, and then here you are being told, like, okay, well, we're still going to, like, get together as a family, but, like... You're on your own so it was really hard how long did traumatic. it take you to
1: recover from that
7: it took a while it took a while I um I remember did go to therapy for that I did I did did they pay for it no they should have they should have I remember I met um Elizabeth Mitchell right after um I was doing I got a, I was doing some little indie film and I was working with her and the episode hadn't aired yet so nobody really knew and I was talking to her on set one day and I, I told her about it and, you know, she had been killed off of Lost and it was a very similar situation where like they didn't tell, they don't, you know, didn't tell the actor until the last minute. They didn't tell her to the last minute or whatever. And I was like, you know, they want me to do press for the show and do interviews after it airs. Like, how do I handle that? And she's like, just be honest, which is what I did. I was like, yeah. I got killed off the show. It sucked for me. Like, I was upset, you know. Jeez. And that's just the only way I know how to deal with that. So it was hard. And my therapist was really great because, you know, when I went to see him and I was crying and I was like, everybody knows. I, I felt like I got fired. That's what it feels like. You get fired. And he he said to me, he's like, listen, when I'm watching a really great show and and a a character gets killed off, I'm not thinking, oh my God, that actor just got fired. I'm thinking, well, this is great storytelling. Number
1: nine is a guy that, you know, afterwards, he's like, look, I I don't really talk about this stuff. I don't know. Was it weird? Was it, you know, he just, he's so, another authentic guy. I think a lot of these guests I get on the show are just authentic. And I think maybe it's... Just my soft-spokenness that brings it out in them, Ryan Taez Why are you talking like that? I don't know, man. I don't know. That? Bobcat Goldthwait. 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 Number nine in the top 13 moments of 2019. Here's Bobcat.
8: Lately, that's my thing. I've been really connecting with old friends on purpose. Why? uh just because you just talk a lot of shit hey let's get together boy we had fun and now i actually do it like i just i buy a ticket i fly across the country doesn't that take a lot of your time it doesn't matter because I'm, it's I, meaningful you and it's it. also just like oh do you remember that day you you worked on that script all day or do you remember that time you surprised tony on his 65th birthday you know which day, which am i going to remember you know
1: what's the project you're most proud of that you've worked on that you're like i think
8: it's like call me lucky and i think um world's greatest dad the movie i did with robin i i like those movies i like them all for different reasons but those are the two where i felt you had the most fun no it was the two where i think i kind of came closest to what i was trying to do do you get over shit quickly no i mean that's why like i said to my friend who just this other fellow who, I, who I'd worked with and I did know, and it was a really good guy, Kevin Barnett. He passed away, but I went to his his two closest friends, Josh and Jermaine, and I was like, you know, when this happens, I, you kind of feel like you're not allowed to live your life because you're forgetting this person because these guys were so close to him. Like, if I laugh, I feel like I'm betraying Robin. If I continue my life, I feel like I'm betraying him, but I'm not. He would want me to course and it's hard uh it's easier if it's not someone who takes their own life but when someone dies it's an arm and that's missing and that and it is in a way but you do you will experience joy again
1: that's that's I think that comes from experience and that comes from just
8: living and hitting rock bottom. And I, so many and times, yeah, so many times that you're like going. I mean, you, what's the alternative when someone dies? You think, well, I'm going to do this. You know, we're going to have a memorial and that'll help, and it won't, or it does for some in some ways, but it doesn't. Or we're gonna, I'm going to go on a trip and go to a beach, and that doesn't do it. It, I think, time is the thing. You know, do
1: you um, do you ugly cry? Do you go home by yourself and cry like no one's ever seen a person cry? No,
8: you know, it's funny. I well up uh, at a commercial, but then I, I those big blowout cries, it's been a long time. Since What's the I last time you had one of those? I think it was when Robin passed away, but it was, it was weird because it didn't come at all when people expected it to. What about success? I was on a plane. Wait, you were on a plane when you found out? You had, no, no, no. I would found out and everything. But the big ugly cry came when I was on a plane. Robin had the worst taste in music. He really just, like, I all apologies to anybody. Who I said probably
1: it. love it. I, I bet it's, like, cheesy music.
8: No, but it's just, like, he, just anything. Like, he didn't really, he wasn't, he, for some reason, that wasn't something he was passionate about. Strange. So, in... World's Greatest Dad, the song "Under Pressure" is used in a couple of ways. It's used comedically, and then it's used at the end of the film. And he loved it. And he's like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna make that my song." You're like he wanted that song when people play when he walked onto a talk show. He wanted Under that. pressure. He wanted that, but no way people are going to play Rock and Robin or you know, right. <laughs> Some bullshit from Aladdin <laughs> or something. So, and I just put on my headset and and that song came on and then I just lost my mind. I just out of plan. I just like. Were people? someone next to you? They no, see I just, I don't know what they were making. I just buried my face in the the window and I and just lost sobbed it. and sobbed. Yeah. Number eight.
1: This is a woman who. I've always been in love with, I do this uh, charity called echoes of hope um, for foster youth and I host it and I've had to, I always see her in the crowd. She's part of it and I would introduce her or I'd say some funny things. And I'd sort of be, you know, I had a crush and one time she gave me a kiss on the lips and we're just, we're buddies, you know, I'm obviously, you know, not her kind of guy. I wear sweatpants, Um, but she's a real down to earth girl. But what I loved about this podcast, this moment or these moments is that I really felt bad because when she's talking about working with Bill Murray and I'm like, did he hug you? Did he? Just listen to what she says. This is really profound. Andy McDowell. Have you ever had sex with Bill Murray?
9: No, I did not. I, I well, did, wasn't even sure Bill liked me to tell you the truth. I was doing Everything I could. What'd you have? If he was
1: attracted to you and into it, did you find him so talented and funny that you might have considered it? If you were you single at the time?
9: No, I wasn't interested in having.
1: You've never cheated. You're not that girl.
9: I'm not gonna say whether I was purely pure. I'm not gonna get into that. But I can tell you, I didn't sleep with Bill Murray.
1: Did Bill Murray make you laugh all the time? (sighs) Was he improvising a lot, or was he just? He did
9: improvise a lot. Bill's Bill is moody. He's a moody person. And so it depended on his moods, whether he was making me laugh or not. He was, he could be, he can be intimidating. Can of course, be he's like
1: the biggest, one of the biggest comedic geniuses of all time. He
9: is a genius. I will give him did credit he make for that. You,
1: did he make you ever, was he the same person off camera as he was on camera? When he's he was,
9: as weird as he can be. He's a very strange person. I
1: meant when you're doing your lines, does he give you what, what you give him?
9: <laughs> when I was working with him, he's... All you have to do is be present and pay attention and, and be involved in the scene because he's so good and they're always different. So it's the best acting you can do because it's not formulated. You know, like some people just over prepare and it's just like bad acting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. yeah, And it yeah. was it was never like that. It was always fresh and authentic and sort of in the moment very spontaneous yeah. very he's very extremely spontaneous and you just had to listen and react so it's that old whole meisner thing which i wasn't even like a huge meisner student but it's pretty simple technology i mean uh formula to, to to listen and pay attention and be present
1: did bill murray ever look at you and say you were really great in the movie you were really you really shine. It was no. a, it was a joy to work oh with you. Oh
9: my god. Never? No. He never said I
1: loved working
10: with you?
9: No. He never, I would be floored. He never said, Andy? No. Great take. No. Andy, you look
1: stunning today. I don't
9: think so. You
1: worked with him 3 months <laughs> on ground.
9: I don't know day. if it was 3 he months. He never once I don't have any memories of that. I was intimidated by him but always kind. I kind of felt like that's how to, to deal with him.
1: Was he kind back? Sometimes. Was he always in You're going to get me
9: in big, fat trouble. No, I don't think he wants to work with me again either. I don't get that from him. I don't think it was going to be a groundhog's
1: day too. <laughs> no,
9: it's not. I do think he's a genius. Of and course. I have seen him since then. And it's the same kind of feeling when I see him. I adore him. I would do anything if he would hug me. That would mean so much to me, but it's not going to happen.
1: Isn't that something how that's all you wanted, really? Was if he just gave you one hug?
9: I think, you know, that would be, he's just the kind of person that, you know, for me, I felt like I was constantly, I might cry, this is terrible. Just no, do you- just um constantly trying to please him. Like everything oh. I did, like every moment of every second I was around him, it was to try to keep him happy and to please him.
1: Inside of you is brought to you by Sun Basket. Juice cleanse, Ryan? Intermittent fasting? Carb cycling? Struggle to see long-lasting results from any of these? What if instead you tried eating real food, dude? No matter your lifestyle, Sun Basket caters to your kind of healthy with delicious recipes for all kinds of dietary preferences, including paleo, gluten-free, Mediterranean, vegetarian, and more. I just got three bags of gluten-free, everything I needed, to make a delicious meal. I like things when they're brought to my house with everything pre-portioned. That's what I need. Ready to prep and cook. That's it. You don't need to go, I need a three-tenths of a spoon of paprika. What's it called? Paprika? Mm Mm-hmm. That's a new thing. You can enjoy a dinner full of organic produce and clean ingredients in as little as 15 minutes, no matter how much experience you have in the kitchen. And that's exactly, I took a nutrition class and I didn't do well. But it doesn't matter because this stuff's easy. Each week, Sun Basket offers at least 14 recipes to choose from so you can try mouth-watering dishes such as salmon burgers with lemon dill mayo, gingered steak stir fried with broccoli, Mediterranean garlic shrimp, Spanish rice. I love this stuff. They brought everything to me. It tasted fresh and delicious. I was inspired. I felt like I was accomplishing something, and it didn't take me three hours to make a meal. It was quick. And when they say you are what you eat, Ryan... It's not a choke, man. Right now, Sunbasket is offering thirty-five dollars off your order when you go right now to Sunbasket.com slash inside and enter promo code inside at checkout.
2: That's Sunbasket.com slash inside and enter promo code inside at checkout for thirty-five dollars off your order.
1: Sunbasket.com slash inside and enter promo code inside. Number seven, uh, you know. Again, this is out of order. But this guy, I mean, I got to tell you, he got me in the wellness center. He told me about it. He told me about his life. He opened up. We cried about our moms the first time he was on. The second time, I learned even more. He's uh, hes going to come back. He wants to interview me on the show. Also worth talking about uh, maybe doing live podcasts. Not just Zach and I, myself, inside of you, taking it on the road. Do you think people would come and watch? Yeah, sure. I've been to others and it's like, oh, there's hundreds of people here. I mean, I, I think Absolutely. I, I think it'd be embarrassing if I showed up and like and there's eight people there. But I guess what do you do, right? You're like, hey, thanks for coming. Yeah, just do it anyway. You do it anyway. Of course. You got to stop worrying about other people or, uh, you know, what's the word? when You, you know, it's like uh, validation. Like, oh, oh, 200 people came. So that means you're good or worthy. Fuck that, man. How about I love the podcast. People love the podcast. If they show up, they show up.
2: And what if one of those eight people is the Dalai
1: Lama? Hmm. I mean... That would be pretty cool, man. That could happen. Maybe they'd come on stage. Yeah. He'd come on stage. Yeah, why not? All right, this guest, number seven, again, in no particular order, number seven of the top 13 moments of 2019, Zachary Levi. I had this conversation with Dax, Dax Shepard yeah, on, yeah. on a plane where it started to get heated, where he was talking about mental illness. And I was like agreeing, but I was also saying uh, sexual molestion, uh, molestation, yeah. mol- molestation, mol- molesting, yeah. Jesus, I can't speak. But, you know, as a kid, there were some things that happened to me that like I dodged some bullets and I still had. I still like I remember the feeling I had as a child so scared so nervous what's gonna happen and I wasn't even molested but it was close like I almost like I escaped and I could tell you that story on time and I will say that now when I hear these stories I can relate to that scared little boy or girl that is just that's going through that in a small way where I'm like
6: oh look it's, uh, i said i, I I was molested when I was a kid by another kid and the ramifications of that have followed me throughout my entire life literally introducing me to sex at a time when you shouldn't have been introduced. Yeah, to her. You're, you shouldn't be introduced. How old were you? Uh about 5, I think, 4 or 5, something like that.
1: It's amazing most we people We just
6: moved back from oh, what, what
1: Most people can't remember what they did when they were 5, but you
6: that Oh dude, I have vivid vivid memories starting around Around three or four. I mean, I don't remember all of it, but I mean, I have very vivid, uh, uh, tangible memories. Um, And also, you know, I, of course, I have to always um, assume that there could be some romanticizing uh, in my own brain, you know, like... do you really remember moments exactly the way, even as an adult, yeah. do you remember a moment exactly how it went down or do you have there, there? you know, there's all, all kinds of studies on this kind of, you know, you remember somebody wearing a, a black suit when they were wearing a, a blue suit or whatever. I don't know. I'm not professing. I know everything that happened to me exactly when I was a child, but I know what happened to me. It's when so I was crazy. A child. You said that yeah. because
1: I'd never really talked about this, but the same thing happened to me. It was another kid.
6: Oh, so that did happen. And I never
1: have talked about it. Yeah. But now that you've talked about it, I feel like, oh, fuck it. This is the first time you talked about it. I think this might be the first time that I've talked about this. Wow. Like on this. But, you know, I, I talked to my therapist about it. I go, um.
6: Oh, so you've talked to these therapists yes, about it. Okay, yes.
1: Okay, okay, oh, okay, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And I yeah. said, um, th- has this affected me? And he looked at me and said, no. It, it didn't affect you. Because the person was so, it was young. You were both young it's hard to explain because you looked at me like, wait, wait, what are you saying? What I'm saying was they weren't old enough to think they were a uh, teenager. I was young. We were similar in age. It was you know, but I, I, it felt like I was like, but this was still wrong. This was still something that I, I, I blocked out for many, many years. And then I told him about it, and I, I really wanted him to tell me, yeah, you're fucked up because of this. And he said, you're not. It didn't well, affect you.
6: Wait, 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 wait. I mean, but this, but that's a, that's a big statement well it's a big statement but it's also a big spectrum like uh, you might you might not you might not be fucked up by it but i i'm sorry i don't agree that you weren't affected every single thing that happens in our day affects us
1: what i'm saying is how old was the person that you know
6: i mean i think that that kid was like two years older
1: so it was a seven and a five-year-old
6: so, so something so like, that. I think what my yeah, therapist I was never, saying, it was an exploration. Held, it was course, more of like, well, yeah, not except, on my behalf. Yeah, but, I didn't want to explore. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the thing though, is that I think that this kid, I mean, he, I, I think that his like, looking back on it with the, with the, now the, the mind that I have and the heart that I have and the understanding that I have right. throughout my life, clearly that kid was being molested by somebody in his life. The, I, the way that all of that went down and the way that how it affected me then even after that like um yes sure at, at young ages kids are exploring and doing things and I, that's totally understandable i'm not it wasn't i don't feel like it was um an adult you know being a predator on me right and, right. and, and, and I think by the way i was trying and to I, say and i never even judged the kid but but my mom f- freaked out see nobody she, knew about this oh yeah yeah nobody yeah. i knew was, about this yeah so it, there was all kinds of effects i mean even if nobody knew about it it still would have an effect on and that. when
1: i say i blocked it out i just didn't think anything was like i was so young that i didn't think anything was wrong with it so all of a sudden i'm like 30 one day i just go hey that happened yeah that. Happened. wait a minute that's that that happened wow why do i remember that now It was the craziest fucking thing. I mean, and do you think you were affected, or do you... Oh, I definitely
6: definitely was affected. I mean, that compounded by all of the other issues that I was going through and held and carried throughout my childhood and having a psychologically abusive mom because she was psychologically abused and all of the ways that that manifested in my life as a kid and with my sisters and my stepdad who was also an abuse. He I guaranteed he was abused when he was growing up. And then he became an abusive person when he was older. And I wouldn't change any of it now at all, because now I'm on the other side of it and can look back on it and actually appreciate the fact that it brought me to being healthy uh, or in a journey of being, I mean, I'm sure. I'm not saying I'm completely, you know, absolved and this is all good. And I'm like, you know, whatever, thing yeah. level nine or whatever. <laughs> I'm, just, <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, I've now gotten to the other side of what that darkness that wanted to kill me was doing. And I was able to pierce through and love of friends and family and the tools that I learned in all that therapy to get through that darkness. And then from the other side of the darkness, be able to look back and go, oh, yeah, shit. Yeah, all that happened. And all of it led me to here. And I'm grateful for all of that stuff that led me to here, because now on this side, I get to talk about all that. Number six is probably Ryan
1: Taez, my engineer's favorite. I've known this guy a long time. I remember when he was doing The State, and I was like, you're so funny. And little did I know, I mean, he made very little money on that show. It was a big group of people on The State. And then they would do these, you know, three lines here, funny guy in a scene, fighting. Three bangers. You know what three bangers are? No. No they're the trailer when you get a trailer you either get a big trailer because you're the lead or you get a double banger because there's you know there's two rooms in a trailer because you know you're maybe a second lead or then a triple banger Uh a three banger is you're probably you could be an extra i think he was on like a 10 banger with all the members of the state there was just like his room was the size of because i've had those rooms where it's honestly you could go in there i'm not sure if there's even a urine on there I think you have to go to the men's room. But anyway, I mean, he fought and he fought. And you know, his, I think what we got from this podcast, you tell me what you got. He talks about entitlement. He talks about how you can't expect anything given to you in life. And boy, is that true? Is there anything you want to change about yourself, Ryan?
2: Uh,
1: Things. <laughs> all right. Thanks for being so open. You but know, what? I mean, I, not to have you as a guest. I'm not a show. guest.
2: I know. I'm just getting paid to be here. <laughs> when do you want me to
1: open up? Is that all you are? But I mean, you know, you get, you get sad, right? You cry. Sure, I get sad. No. Do you, you no do cry? To... Yeah. You cry alone or you cry in front of people?
2: Uh, no, I've, I've, cried in front of, I mean, I think we've talked about this before. I've cried in front of my girlfriend, Amanda, but it's mostly with movie stuff. Right. I know that, but I'm talking about like, I don't know, You just, my dad or. No, I mean, it just, it's just like a lot, you know, I get, I get anxious all the time. I'm like an anxious, I'm an anxious person. Do you meditate? I don't. Because I don't think I'd have the patience.
1: But you know what? That's what everybody thinks. And dude, I meditated for 20 minutes. And if I told you two minutes, I had it. my mind was clear. It's worth it just to maybe get two minutes. I'm telling you, you just keep doing it. You think my mind doesn't keep effing going? It does. So Joe Latruglio, number six of the top 13 moments of 2019.
11: This is a very uh, interesting part of the conversation we're segueing into now, because what you're talking about is accepting when your time is, right? I had a, a long time accepting when my time was going to be. Many actors go through that. Mark Evan Jackson just did a podcast with Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and I was talking about Brooklyn Nine-Nine in that I almost didn't go in for Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I almost didn't get Brooklyn Nine-Nine because I'd gone in, I put myself on tape for Allison Jones. Then they wanted me to come back in for a callback or a session. At that point, I was during a very kind of dark time in my career, in my head about my career. Like, you know what? I've done super bad. I've done all these like little movies, like enough's enough. Like everyone knows what I can do. Like cast me or don't cast me, but like, I'm tired of it. I was really, the ego was overwhelming, swallowing me up. And so I almost didn't go. And if I didn't go, I would not be on the show. Clearly. More importantly, the lesson learned is that no one owes you anything. And if you're doing a job because you're expecting to get another job, you got to find what you like about it. I know that you hear it all the time. You find the joy in what you do. But the older you get, you realize that's really the truth because it put me in such a a mood of um, I owe this and people know what I can do and just give it to me. Give it to me. Entitlement that it really starts to weigh you down and it starts to infiltrate you in, a, in in negative ways and you don't enjoy where you're around. I remember Ken Marino, it's why he's such a great guy. His wife, Erica Oyama, um, wrote this really funny digital series called Burning Love that uh, Ken oh, was yeah, in. I love and, it. Uh, so many funny people were in that and uh, I was shooting that and I was just in a terrible mood and like Ken had to bring me inside. Like while we're shooting, you know, I didn't know disruption during the set, but between takes, I was just like not the greatest of moods and. He's like, what's up, man? He's like, man, I said, Ken, I love you. I love this. This is so funny. Like, am I just going to be doing this? Like web shows, like it was really narrow-minded, ungrateful type of stuff. And he heard me as a friend and he related. And here I am talking to someone that also hadn't got his big break. Ken's amazing. He's in all this stuff, but also hadn't gotten his break. And you realize you just end up sounding like a complete asshole. Because you can't see your path. You can't see when is your time. And it took me a while. And if I if I had kept in that kind of mode, well then I don't get Brooklyn Nine Nine. And now Brooklyn Nine Nine has given me a gift that is above and beyond. I mean, I have a new family. I've gone through life changes. Several of us have gotten married. Several of us have gotten have had kids, including myself. If I had like, no, fuck it, I'm not going in, that is not open to me anymore. That's not here. And that's a very humbling place to be when you're like, ah, now I'm getting it. The struggle's real. Even after you think you've made the big time, not the big time, but like super bad. I did super bad. I'm like, that movie was huge. I'm like, oh, well, here we go. It's only a matter of time now. Start getting the calls. Here they come. They don't come. You know, you still have to go in. You still have to do all that stuff. So you just have to keep it in check because Mm. no one owes you anything. No one's going to give you the money for the movie. No one's going to write the script for you. No one's going to, like, create the ideal part for you. You find it. You get it. Or just follow Or if you don't know how to get it, follow things that are coming at you, that are opening up to you, and maybe that will lead you there.
1: Uh, this number five was pretty emotional. Um, I couldn't believe that he actually teared up on the show. It makes me feel like they're comfortable. They're comfortable enough to talk about their stuff in front of me, and I truly appreciate it. I think this is a guy... Who uh, loves his family, loves his fans, loves fame, which I think is okay when you're in a healthy place. You can love fame and, and do great things because of fame. Fame can give you the opportunity to help people, and and I think that's what Joe does. You should check out his Netflix specials. He's, he's brilliant. Go see him live, which was even better. But let's uh, get into number five of the top 13 moments of 2019.
12: You feel like you fit in? I I I don't know. I feel like uh, I have like this different mindset now. I feel like with my accomplishments, I'm like, yeah, I, I belong here, man. <laughs> I walk I walk into a party and I'm like, yeah. But you you did feel like that before? There all oh, time. Oh, before where... I was like, Whoa, what am I doing here? Yeah. But then I'm starting to get love from other celebs, and I'm just like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, people love you. It's How many
1: nice. people come up to you a day?
12: A lot. A it's lot. Yeah, it's a lot. It's kind of weird because uh, the Netflix is what put it over. And you're doing another one, right? I got two more coming. You got two more coming. Yeah. But, you know, Mike, I didn't get that first one, man. Did I tell you my story? I want to hear it. I didn't get it. They they passed on me. So when they made that big push for stand-up comedy, it was like 2016. And they were they, they announced in 2015 that they were going to do like this huge push for stand-up. And they were going to go after all these comics. And I was like, I want to get on that. You know, I didn't want to go to Comedy Central again. I wanted to be on Netflix. And uh, and we kept pursuing them, kept inviting them to come to the shows. And, you know, I'm selling 18 shows in a row. Like, come to one. Just see what I'm doing. Like, please give this to me. And they weren't coming. And, uh, and then finally, they were like, we're going to pass. We already got everybody for 2016. And, you know, we'll come out and look at you on <sighs> 2017 for 2018. I'm like, my son's going to be 20 by then, you know? Were you heartbroken? Yeah, I was crushed because I didn't get it. And I, I'm not... What did and you think to, it was? What did you think it was? I don't know. I, I, was it politics? I don't know what it was. Was I not ready? Because I thought I was very ready. The it was proven. Like I mean, my demo shows that it's it's relatable. It's you know I'm killing it, and so I was really like hurt. You know, like, I deserve this. I've worked yeah. hard. Yeah, and I and and not only that, when you have a son, it's like you you know, especially in this business, man. Like especially comedy, it's like how do you show your son that I was appreciated or something? You know what I mean? Like whenever you say I'm a stand-up stand-up ke- comic, everyone always like, Oh, really? Where? Tell me a joke. Or they'll do something stupid like that. If they don't know you. And this was that, that moment, this was that what I needed. Like, this is what I wanted my son to be like, yeah, that's my dad. You know, like it was, it was more than just me. It was like, it was everything, you know, it was everything I worked for. And I was just like, I want to, I want to, when I die, I want my son to be like, that's my dad. You know what I mean? So I could have done the hate thing. I could have went on Twitter and just done that whole deflecting the energy. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and absorbing just negativity and and just bashing. I could have done that. I really could. Did have. Think about a it? lot of people would have went to. No, I. I mean, I was mad because I, I felt like I was like, yo, I deserve this, and I don't understand why. This, you know, I said, who doesn't say that? Like, oh, he got one, but I didn't get one. She got one. I didn't get one. You could do that all day. Yeah, but that doesn't me. do anything. That doesn't do anything though. No matter how many times people say no to you, you just—I don't know—you got to dig deep and, and and show them, you know. And I—I I literally paid for that that special man. I paid every fucking you penny. Paid Mike, paid the whole thing. How much? Man, I can't tell you that because in the agreement when they bought it from me, you know, they they, Disclosure. they doubled it. Yeah, you know, they they gave me my money plus some more. Let me just say, was it over a hundred thousand dollars more that you put your own money? Way, way more. more. Way more. Hundreds of thousands. Of okay, dollars. let me tell you why I went way more. Because I could have went that route. We could have shot it for a hundred thousand. Right. You Just know, I could have went to the. I could have went to an, any improv, got three cameras, and shot it, and and, and, and I could have said, oh well, the mater- the materials is what's going to sell it, or I can make it look like something that Netflix put money into. Yeah, you know, like like this is something that they would be proud of. So after that, you edit this together. Yeah. You put it together, and your agent. And you guys send it back to
1: Netflix. The same guys.
12: Yeah, we walked it in. What do you mean you walked it in? Well, I didn't walk it in. They walked it in. Right, because you said yeah. we. Well, I know. Well, well, you know, it is me. And my, my team proverbial. is me. And my team is me. Right. And that's my work. You're a team player. Yeah. And
1: so they hand us to them. They didn't watch it then. They
12: watched it on their own. They No, they watched it in a uh, in a group. Uh, all of the execs watched and
1: it. And how th- soon after they, they watched it? They bought it
12: the minute we dropped it. It was like maybe a day later or, you know, well, this is what they said. We dropped it and they said, don't shop it around. And then right when they got it, they watched it. And then they called my agent and they go, don't shop it around. We want to put in an offer. So just take it off the market. And when he told you that, Uh I cried. I was going to ask you, did you cry (laughs) on the phone? Hell yeah. I'm crying right now. (laughs) Are you?
1: That's a beautiful fucking thing. You really are crying.
12: I know. I fucking love that. Yeah, man. It was big.
1: You're a real guy, dude. You're a real fucking, you, st- you have that heart in you that just, you know, and I knew it when I met you, that, that inviting sort of, you love people, you love life, you love, but you're passionate about yeah. what you do. You're so passionate about what you do. I love that you're crying. Are you going to make me cry?
12: <laughs> make Rob cry. Fuck, fuck Rob, you, Rob. Fuck you, Rob. Dude. That was my dream. You know? You wanted a special. <laughs> yeah. It's from delirious to, the, like, that's all I lived. Oh, and, you know, that's all I wanted to be was a, uh, a stand-up comic. <laughs> so them saying no was like, what? And I had to show them. So a
1: fucking story, dude. I don't know how many people would do what you did. Like I said, this is going to be a special year, folks. I hope you uh, stick around and tell your friends. Force your friends to subscribe in a non-threatening way. Uh, remember, video is coming back. We're doing video for Inside of You. It's going to be coming hopefully uh, sooner than later. Stay tuned, but pr- please keep listening. Also, if you want to write into the podcast, remember hello at insideofyoupodcast.com. We love this stuff. We love reading stuff. Um, it touches me. The, the letters I've gotten from you, um, again, your support, the patrons, patrons, Joining Patreon and and subscribing to the show and giving back and getting extra supplemental material and um, videos and all that stuff really helps. So thank you all for that. I really appreciate that. Number four on the Inside of You Top 13 Moments of 2019. Wow. This was a guest that just said, fuck it. She just opened up about her sexuality. She loved sex. She had a lot of it. Her relationship with uh, Al Pacino which we're going to listen to now a little bit crazy story about, uh, being boxed out by Pacino's criminal business manager and a beautiful moment between our dear friend, Carrie Fisher, who passed away three years ago this past Christmas. It was crazy, man. Two weeks before she passed away three years ago, she had a party for her 60th birthday at her house and I brought her some cupcakes and some stuff. And then when she went off to film star Wars, uh, she, I still have the message on my uh, machine. Maybe I'll play it for you sometime. But she said, uh, Hey asshole or something. I'll, uh, I'll be back in a couple, like I'll be back next week. Let's all get together. And, um, that was it. And it wasn't, but like a week, week after that that she passed and, uh, still in shock. Sometimes I just sit there and go, I had this little room where it's just all my, Carrie stuff, just like a picture of her chair from force awakens uh, that she gave me and pictures and little things like that. And, um, she always, she's like, I know you love this shit. Take it. She would just, she didn't care that I was a star Wars fan. Usually when you're like friends with people that you're kind of a fan of, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it's a little weird, but you know, it's not like I always looked at her like she was princess Leia. It was like, I knew Carrie, I, I know more about Carrie than a lot of people. I know the moments when she was married to Paul Simon. I know the letters that her and her ex would write uh, to each other. I know so much. There was a real friendship. She knows about my family. She knows, she knew. Sorry, I feel like she's still here. But hearing this uh, interview with Beverly D'Angelo, who was also way closer, just a dear, dear friend of Carrie's, talking, you could hear Carrie's voice when she plays a little video. But let's get into Beverly D'Angelo Number four on the top 13 moments of 2019. You know, and And you guys get along now. Yeah. Now that took a
10: while. Well, it took a while. It took until I just went, this guy is never going to change. He's never like, this is. Well, when you met, were you in love? You were in love? Oh, instantaneously. Right?
1: Yeah. And you thought, this is the way it is. And he says, yeah, I want you to be the mother of my children. Three and then, months in. Three months in. A,
10: and then seven years later, two kids later, it was like not happening.
1: What, what, was that heartbreaking for you? Or was it was,
10: it- I was very much. The rug was very much. It was, it was very. There was a lot of internecine shit going on. He had a. Uh, there was a parallel story. He had a business manager named Ken Starr. Not the guy who did the Clinton right, thing. Right. But. um after i had the kids i became more involved and more privy to his his financial scene cuz i was always independent financially from the right. get go and but then having the i'd been on bed rest for 7 months the kids twins i got pregnant when i was 40 i mean it was there was i was definitely not working i was holding down the fort right so anyway um the kids were like 6 months old and Long story. It was covered in Vanity Fair, so I'm not going to get into it. Now. Right, right. I've already told you. Read that Vanity story. Fair, but. Anyway. In a nutshell. In a nutshell. What I said when the kids were six months old, I said, your business manager's a crook. And I said, five years from now, it's going to be you and me and the kids or you and him because there's something screwy going on. He'd done something. And little did I know that I was igniting the fuse of a criminal. And. That was in two thousand and one, and he was also a lawyer. So, Al, I had finally got by the time the kids were two, I'd gotten Al to agree to uh, audit him, and you know we had kind of ramped up to this audit that was supposed to happen, and right before I was going to leave for L.A., I was in the country house, and the estate manager called and said, "What are you doing?" I said, oh, I'm just online, you know. And he said, "Are the kids asleep? And I went, yeah, why? Because it was like 6.30. And he said, oh, I just wondered. And then there's a knock at the door, because there were two houses on the say, Knock at the door. And Bob, the state manager, says, I just want you to know I'm quitting tomorrow. And I went, okay. And then the guy standing beside him said, are you Beverly D'Angelo? And I said, yeah. And he went, you've been served. So I open up this envelope, and, um, it's a, uh, it's a custody filing and it's Al signed by the business manager cause he's a lawyer. Ken so you could find, uh, and it's a custody file and it was odd. And it said, you know, that Al was filing in court to get a grant to be able to take the kids anywhere with him without the mother. I mean, it was worded even weird. What the fuck did this come out of? I called him up and said, what is this? And he goes, well, you know, we're not married. So it's just, you know, a custody thing. Because if you're not married, you don't, whatever. It was. And I was like, huh? And I went, well, do, do I need a lawyer? And he went, oh, the court will give you one. I went, the court? So I'm like, what the fuck is happening? The thing is, I would go over to see Carrie and just stay there. And we traveled all over the world. We, we we were never out of touch, but we had a lot of serious hang time. And one thing I did learn how to do, starting out early as like a flower child floating around all over the place, and a musician was hanging, which is what I love. You just yeah. like make it up as you go along. And if there's music in it. So inevitably, whenever we'd get together, and it was something that Griffin Dunn actually said in, uh, in that Bright Lights documentary about her, I, I, I really... Yeah. Picked up on that when he said that when they were roommates in New York, that they just sang all day long, I'm going into the kitchen. Y- that's exactly know. how she would sound. That's, you th- sounded th- like her th- in That's right. So anyway, so that was a big part of our life. So the other day, I don't know how I found this, but I was yeah, looking at self. my phone and um, I found a, a video that, that, that in, in a nutshell was really what our relationship was. Our relationship was agenda- agenda list. When you think about two women who were actresses and agenda list.
1: Agenda-less. You
10: know, agenda-less like and yes. that we just hung out together. And I really do think that one of the ingredients of our friendship was that what we wanted from each other was friendship. That's it. It wasn't like oh this person. Because Carrie love. would have this Carrie lets... would have friends that you know were as a result of work or professional. And they'd be there. Thing, and they'd be there for a while and yeah. then they'd be gone when that mission was accomplished. Right. But, you know, I was, uh, we always had that yeah. thing. Anyway, so I found this this video that we made. She had just gotten her dog, Gary. So I'm going to play the audio because the yeah, video and and, and video. And, and for some reason, she just started singing. To, to Gary. She wanted me to film Gary. We were, so we were making, the, we were taking pictures of Gary. And, and she started singing, come back to me. Well, let's hear it. Okay.
1: So this is uh, on yeah. your iPhone. We're listening to this now. Yeah. It's Beverly Angelo. The late, beautiful Carrie Fisher
10: singing to Carrie's dog, Gary. Yeah. With a song made up on the spot. Here's Gary. Gary. Gary over here. Gary, you see. Gary, oh, Gary, oh, Gary. Come back to me. (laughs) Gary, you see. Gary, oh, Gary, oh, Gary. Ogy-pooty-gy, giddy-pooty. Gary, oh, Gary, oh, 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 Gary. Come back to me. (laughs) Gary, you see. Gary, oh, Gary, oh, Gary.
1: that just honestly made I put a tear in my eye that put
10: no but i mean that that's like that's it in a nutshell and then i don't and then after that we did it again and again and again you
1: know people always say you know what was she like i was like to each person she was different she had her own relationships with everybody yeah you know for me it was like i was kind of a lost soul and she goes, stay in my bungalow for a couple months get your shit together and Sarah Paulson was getting her shit together. We're both kind of she fucked up. She always
10: had that going just, on. She was helped. She was people, always helpful. Yeah.
1: Number three, I'll tell you, Ryan, Sean Astin. Sean Astin really opened up. Talk about opening up about their mothers. Patty Duke, very famous. And he really opened up about his mother's mental health. I can't believe how much he opened up. I thought for sure he was going to call me and say, hey, can you edit that out? And he didn't. And that's what helps people. When we don't edit shit out, when people listen and go, "Oh my god, my mom had, um, you know, bipolar disorder. My mother had this." And what I what I really got, for, well, listen to this. Listen to number three, Sean Acid on the top thirteen moments of
13: two thousand nineteen. Well, did my, you get yelled fo- at? My mother was bipolar you better bl- So
1: she like hit you?
13: Yeah, there was a physical abuse really yeah usually there's always a reason but there was you know it was yeah so, but my dad was uh, he would go calm and it pissed her off because the more she would freak out the more he would just get mellower and mellower but when he would he, when he would raise us with stuff he'd say things like, hey, put yourself in the other guy's shoes you know, two wrongs don't make a right. And he would say it at critical moments when you would just gotten beat up in school or something like that. And you'd, you'd, uh, or you, you know, you were opinionated about stuff. Um, So there was a value system there. But to go back to the, the, the abuse thing. Yeah. We, we felt sorry for her. You know what I mean? It was like watching a little kid act out. So even though we were little kids and, and a lot of times I would kind of adopt the paternal vibe you know that that was an interesting role to assume sometimes when she'd be freaking out about my dad and in some ways she's looking to Attention. the kids for no to for to like to adjudicate the fight you know your father did this and your father did that and he did this and that. and then she looks at you and you're now in the position of having to say like you're right mom you know what he shouldn't have done that or be like, well, you know, but you did kind of flip out before you had it. You know, we're you're like this weird jerk. So, so what ends up happening is you develop this uh, ability to kind of, you know, run between the raindrops where you don't. You're on, yeah. Where you don't, but you, all, but a tone is what she really wants. She wants a nurturing, supportive, understanding tone. You know, and it's impossible with any uh, relationship to kind of like break it all down and in in, into its component parts, but this is the quality that people are interested in hearing because it's what's different from, from or it's what they've experienced that people don't like to talk about. So when my mom was physically abusive, I always sensed that she knew what my limits were and she didn't push past them. So where there was abuse, you were kind of like, it was almost performance art. And you kind of like, well, maybe this doesn't hurt as much as it could there was one or two times where she lost it, where she wasn't? I could see know.
1: your eyes to you remember exactly
13: the moment. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, 100%. 100%. I think she wanted to have like the perfect kid, she wanted to mm. prove to everyone that she was a like the perfect mother and that you didn't have to have uh the kind of turmoil that she had in her life in order. To have success. So when I was seven or eight, um, I'm always I always get the dates a little bit wrong or the ages a little bit wrong, but I was seven or eight and she came to me and said they're doing an after school special. You remember these after school oh, specials? Yeah. They would do these like issue of the week shows, child abuse, teen pregnancy, drug addiction. Kind of groundbreaking. It was groundbreaking, but it was also lame because they would just Wrap it all up in a nice, neat little bow in twenty minutes. You know, but they would still talk about it at least. Yeah, so they wanted my mom to play this abusive mother, and she said, "Okay, but if my son can be the abused, that's right, that's right." So I played Jesus. uh, It was called "Please Don't Hit Me, Mom," and "Please Don't Hit Me, Mom," starring (laughs) your mother as your mother and you as you. I actually just saw the poster for it. Lance Guest was in it. I don't know if you ever knew who Lance Guest was, Uh, and Nancy McKeon. Of what do you call it? Uh, different uh, le- uh, facts of, life, facts fame of that life. My brother started in for right. five years, so it was their three names my mom and those two. And then my name wasn't mentioned on the poster at all. But I, but the poster was of my mom, uh, crying on a couch, hugging me. And I had like, I just remember I had this like really big hair, but it was an interesting experience. I like, mean, did so
1: she in the, in the movie or in the yeah, she was uh, the abusive. show, she was, she was abusive, yeah. so you were like reliving your life. I mean, your life essentially, you were. Yeah. Playing a part where it's like, this is real. Yeah. This is actually happening in my house. But you didn't say that. No one there on set. No one, had no to one say in anything. the world knew anything. They, they, you think they just knew? You
13: think people knew what, what that your mom... I think you could tell. It was an amazing learning experience. Not just the fight scenes where she would be, you know, the abuse scenes. Which were, I was a little bit nervous, uncomfortable laughter. Um, that's my first acting story that I tell people is that, you know, she, she's supposed to grab me. I like forgot to tell her something or I dropped a math book or I don't know what it was in, this, in the show. And so she's grabbing me in the kitchen and, and banging me against the cupboard. And so I'm laughing. And the director's getting nervous. You know, these TV movies, they don't have a lot of time to sort of think about stuff. You gotta, or use it because
1: it's interesting.
13: Well, Interesting choice, Sean. They were just panicked because I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do. So my mom took me outside and she goes, Sean, this is my career. I took a chance on you right and and i start to cry and she's like okay and they go and she's like rolling rolling so they roll and she's beating me up and i'm crying and everything and then they they say cut and the director's like god that was amazing and my mom hugs me and tears are rolling down my cheeks because i've just like disappointed or whatever and she looks at me and she smiles and she goes honey that's that's acting you did it (laughs) and you're like "Oh, oh good okay good that's like a good thing i guess number two
1: this dude, uh you know, I've seen him at when I was doing comedy, doing stand-up. Boy, was I frightened. Stand-up was a really tough time for me. I had to pretend I was just fine and I just watched the movie Judy.
8: Oh yeah. Renee Zegwiller,
1: zeg- yeah. Zegwiller. Zeg- That's right. I, I I listen to me. This I'm gonna tell you guys something. I have never cried this hard, this long after seeing that movie, at the end, fifteen minutes of hard crying and I don't regret it a bit. It was cathartic. My dogs consoled me. They really came to me and they hugged me and kissed me. Well, they didn't hug me, but they kissed me. She gets horrible stage fright, Judy Garland. And I was like, Oh my God. And she died at 47. I'm like, Oh my God. And she, all these things. And I was like, she popped pills. That's what killed her. I'm like, Oh my God. I'm just saying, I felt like I could relate. I just did. I felt like I was like, wow. And she's 47. I'm like, I'm 47 now. And uh, I felt like it was – even that movie was sort of like you have to have a wake-up call or you will die. People will die. You can't suffer. You can't hurt your body. I've always had stage fright. I think that's the real thing and I never want to admit it. But I do I, – I, the way I, I'm trying, I think with meditation and things, I'm trying to calm that. It's not that big of a deal. You know, Do your shit. Don't think in the future. Don't take a week stressing out when you're wasting time stress out the day of or the hour of. Give yourself a chance, maybe for an hour a day, but doing it to yourself, fight or flight, all the time. You know, so going up with Dane Cook against, you know, not against Dane Cook, but with these other huge um talents, these stand-ups, it was rough. And um Dane, I, I was surprisingly, I thought, is he going to open up or is he going to be because everybody has this perception. It was Dane Cook a dick. Was he this? And he fucking talks to, about things that make you go, Yes, this is a good dude. This is a solid guy. He just texts me. He wants to come back on the podcast. I love how open he was about his brother's embezzlement, about life. If you listen to the whole podcast, how he talks about his dad. There's some sweet, sweet moments. Number two of the top 13 moments of 2019, Dane Cook.
14: greatest moments of my life are sometimes the things that were the absolute most atrocious because from that you get tools, you get tools that you can then implement sometimes into your work, just sometimes into something funny, a funny story or, or a, a performance, you know, those things that like, Oh, I lived through that. I studied the, uh, the steps, the empathy, the, the mm-hmm. anger. I, I allowed myself to kind of sit in it. I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I've never done anything in my life. I feel feelings. And then I get to put that and share it in stories and performance. So there's nothing that comes bad from weakness sometimes in myself or in people around me that
1: I have to cohabitate with. What's the, when you say atrocious, you probably don't want to talk about any of this, but if you do, what's one thing you will talk about that you're like, you know, this happened in my life and as bad as it is, I learned so much from that. And how did you get through it?
14: Well, for me, it was putting my brother in jail. I had to put my the embezzlement. Care. yeah so once that happened and I don't I I I pick and choose where I talk about it because I um it was a cataclysmic betrayal in my life that almost sent me into a an abyss of depression so sometimes if and forgive me if I say to you like I just don't want to keep going down this sure. rabbit hole but it, to look at down from the cusp of it for a minute yeah I can tell you that it was like everything that I thought my life was up until the day that that happened. And then the year to follow of how bad it got, it capsized me and it, and it made me a person that was very difficult to be around because I was, um, encumbered and sad. So I didn't, I had to, you know, go back over the years cause I probably didn't always treat people fairly cause I was, uh, mortified. I was humiliated by my brother publicly. At a time when I was hitting a level, an echelon of superstardom that I should have fucking been enjoying 24-7, and I couldn't.
1: It was like somebody's just dragging you, pulling you down while you're trying to get up. I
14: said a couple times in previous interviews, I said, I felt like I was surviving the piranhas of Hollywood so well, only to find out my brother was the devil. It was nuts. Would I change it now? zero What I change zero everything that I became from that as a person and performer I value myself even more from that experience
1: you know before we get into the number one I also want to throw out some uh just some love to uh everyone again for making uh not making me do this but showing me the light that it's I'm doing something I really enjoy it I really love doing this this podcast and um Write in, tell us how you feel, write a review, get your friends to subscribe, it's important. Let's get into the number one, super talented. The the best thing I think he said was, my work does not define me, I am not my work. It just, it really sat with me. And uh, let's get into it. This is Rain Wilson. Are you st- still extremely hard on yourself? Even when you're doing The Office? Yeah. Did you like going, I have to step it up for a hit show? I have to be funny. I have to be this. Do you, were you hard after the show?
4: Yeah. You know, I've, I've gotten so much better in the last four or five years. Like I've really made big strides um, in a lot of ways. I used to be really career obsessed. Uh, and you know what that's like in, in, in this world of just constant comparing myself to others and like, why is he in that movie and I'm not? And and I was when I was on the office. Like, it was all about like, how do I leverage Dwight to get more movie roles and to get greater stardom? And um, and and so I was really just hard on myself and, the, and really kind of had OCD about about that. You know, uh, filming uh, f- that in my head and going over it over it again. And now I've really I really let that go. How you know? how. Well, a lot of it has been this therapy work, you know, and you know, just work with my wife. She's been really supportive about it and real you know, as I've kind of loved myself more, I think going more into spirituality has allowed me to love myself more so that I'm not I am not my job. I am not my success. My self esteem is not it's certainly linked to success and in, in my work, but my I am not my work. I am not how successful my work is going. Um, so I don't need that anymore, but it used to be that way. It used to be that way. And it kind of made me an asshole, you know? You were an asshole. I wouldn't say, I don't think if you talk to the office cast, they would be like, oh, Rain was an asshole. I think people, we all get along and good, but I could be an asshole. Yeah. I would, I could be pretty narcissistic and self-centered and yeah, they, they had some, I had some rough years in there.
1: So there you have it, guys. Top thirteen moments. It was really a joy. There's so many other great guests this year. We've got so many other great guests coming on. Some will repeat. Stephen Mel, he came back. Marina Bakrins. Come on, man, that's exciting. Many other guests. I'm so excited. Video is coming your way on YouTube. So make sure I'll let you know when that comes out. But we're gonna tr- just trying to make the show better and better. We're not changing the show. We added a little intro, a little outro a little more talking about you guys and, um, trying to be more current, you know, we'd like to just be a little more current and, um, record the intros and outros close to when we air. So we're trying different things and it's hard with different schedules, but we love you. We thank you. This top 13 moments of 2019 for inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum. Um, Ryan, thank you. This has been fantastic. What a, what are your Bryce? I want to thank Bryce. Cause, uh, he uh, he really put a lot of this, most of it together. He really did. And Mia for editing this, really top-notch stuff. And, you know, we're just striving to be better and better. Ryan, uh, this has been great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, man, this is a lot of fun. Also, the Patreons, I love you. The Patreons, if you want to join Patreon, go to Patreon, subscribe to the podcast. You're going to get a lot of stuff. I mean, uh, the top tier, I think, gets care packages for me every four months. I think there's Q&As with me. Um, There's uh, uh, Shit Talking with Michael Rosenbaum, a bunch of other stuff too, extra podcast stuff, extra, extra, extra. Um, So I'm really excited about that. And uh, remember, Portland, Oregon, I will be there uh, at the end of January. So uh, come see Smallville Nights. Come see Tom Welling and I. We got the wine, Knocking Point Wines. It's called Pure Evil. I'm the... Pure this time Welling's the evil We sold out last year Get the 10% off It's in the intro I gave you all the information All right. This is a shout out To the top tier patrons On Patreon Bortex Christina B Emily Emma H Jason W Nancy D Nico P Sarah V Trisha Barry I And listen patrons Patrons I freaking love you guys I was so shocked At like Looking on there going, is anyone going to subscribe to this? I don't know. Everybody's telling me to do it. And all of a sudden, I'm like, boom, 100 patrons right away. And I'm like, this is awesome. I'm like, can I just do Inside of You for the rest of my life? Also, on social media, don't forget to follow and at Inside of You Pod on Twitter, at Inside of You Podcast on Instagram, and Inside of You Podcast on Facebook. Also, this is a message from a fan. Brian says... Uh, a message from Michael. Hey, Michael, not sure if this will ever reach you. My name is Brian, 30 years old from Kansas City, Missouri. Thank you for staying true to yourself and doing things that suit you. Man, I know Smava was long hours and stressful, but man, it got me through some difficult times in my life. My parents divorce, grandparents, death, etc. cetera. I discovered your podcast and I came for some humor, but it has helped through so much. So many days dealing with panic and anxiety and your podcast is a breath of fresh air. I have to make it out to the West Coast and meet at a convention or something. Many blessings, and that's Brian Kelly. So you see how what impact you know the show has. That means the world to me. Thank you for uh, for writing in because I do read them. You see, I do read these things. Oh, and thank you for listening to my band Left on Laurel. I know it's another actor playing music, but I think a lot of you guys liked it and. Uh, You know, it was great. We played at the Roxy, the famous Troubadour. We went to Germany and tour. We sold a lot of merch, and we do Stage It's, which are online shows. And it was just a real treat. And I want to say thank you for all the wonderful support. I want to thank my band. I want to thank, you know, I I know it was a rocky road, and I I don't know what the future holds. But uh, I'm working on stuff with my lead guitarist, Rob, right now. But Left On Laurel guys, Tom, Lally, Rob Danson, Kent, Irwin, Carl McDowell. Thank you guys for uh, a wonderful, wonderful memory of playing in a band. Never thought I'd ever do that. But that's part of this show is like overlooking your fears, man. And just saying, just do it for you, man. I love our band. We're being placed in a TV show that's coming up. Sure, they cut out my vocals, but I don't care. I think it's really cool. Thank you, listeners, for a wonderful year. 2020. So let's play a little... uh, on the Right Side of the Canyon. Shall we? Mia, you have the song.
3: When you're driving home on, on the right side of the
0: canyon Climbing up that and way Trying
13: not to feel abandoned Just gotta get